Freaks and geeks, drinkers, thinkers, ramblers and gamblers, stoners and pet owners, gather around. This is the Outsider Social Club, where us misfits, miscreants, outcasts get together and ramble, palaver, prattle, and get royally intoxicated while we do so. So without further ado, let's proceed. One for the party, baby, puff on the road, drumming, knock back a drink. Welcome back to the Outsider Social Club. I'm your master of ceremony drinks with Ron, and how are you now? Usual rules apply. You drink if you hear a dog or a cat or a bong, and, and we're going to have 1.5 over-under on hearing dogs, as usual. Speaking of over-unders, Troy, what do you have for this very special impromptu episode? Ron, when the emergencies happen, you got to reach for the emergency beverages. Mm. That's right. Whilst we can't get puppers here in Idaho... We shall drink lots and lots of Bud Lights in honor of our emergency episode tonight. We're going to set our limit, my personal under over, shout out to Coley, at eight and a half Bud Lights. And one Bud Light equals like one third puppers. So I've got to drink like 24 Bud Lights tonight. So wish me luck. Yeah, it's going to be a long hour for you if that's the case. Uh, So letter Kenny. We'll just go right to it. Uh, the show, based on our favorite fictional small Canadian town, has come to an end after 12 seasons. 61 episodes of fun, frivolity, and getting fucking hammered, eh? So we called an emergency pod and assembled our team of Letter Kenny enthusiasts to discuss um, the end of this show. And, and Troy, why don't you introduce our guest? Well, absolutely. You know, Ron, as a, as a thinking man's drunk, as I consider myself, I always wonder... How the gentler gender thinks of Letter Kenny, because it's often misogynistic and also sometimes homophobic and also sometimes rude and sometimes also fall on the floor funny. And no one I could think of to help me understand that perspective than our favorite friend, Sadie Mayonnaise. We call her Miserable Aeoli tonight. Shall be her her pseudonym. Well done. Hi. Miserable aioli, jeez. That's that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Tip of the cap. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we all it was actually Patty that I think posted it on the Twitter. I'm not calling it the other thing. Um, and that had reminded Fuck me X. that it had been released and the last season was out. And I said, Oh shit, I wanna I'm gonna watch this. So I powered through them. Apparently Troy did at the same time. I guess we all basically watched this last season within a 48 hour span. So I was like, well, we've got to, it's, it's fresh on my mind. I'm excited. We got to talk about it. So uh, my first question is how does one become aware uh, and then get introduced to a comedy series from another country? So I thought we could go around the zoom and maybe say how we were introduced to this soon to be legendary series. I know for me, um, it was actually scrolling through Facebook and what I saw was the, the playing catch scene. Um, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, Wayne and, and Derry and Squirrely Dan throwing the baseball around when when he let on some some sexual uh, uh, adventures he had. And uh, my God, I was in fucking tears. I was laughing so hard. I was like, what is this show? Where is it from? How do I find it? And then I had to go down the rabbit hole and we well, either keep French kissings or go to the butts holes. <laughs> <laughs> I just love it. they shame him and he just fucking gets defiant. I liked it. 
It felt good. <laughs> like you tell him, Dan. There's a neurogenous zone. So how did uh, how did you guys uh, stumble across discover the uh, the letter, Kenny? So I think I started seeing commercials for it hmm. on Hulu back when The Handmaid's Tale had first started airing, and it was the commercial was the second season opening monologue, the ABC thing, and. I saw that commercial like 20 times <laughs> and finally I was like, fine, I'll watch it. And I did. And I fell in love with it. And yes, you are right. I have a lot of thoughts um, <laughs> a- about some of the things, but no, it's, it's hilarious. And not everything that's funny has to be good all the time. It's fair. Nicely put. Yeah. Nicely put, Aoli. I would like to say <laughs> that uh, I work with a bunch of the worst characters who would have been in letter kenny were it filmed here um i would work work with and know some of the broiest bro uh skids and hockey players and hicks and christians in all their worst form and so when i saw the original cold open header on the pilot episode i was sucked in so i'd heard about it mid-pandemic from from a skid and uh that became my thing and so yo and then of course you know i did adapt a moniker for our favorite show uh Uh, versus the twitter it's true and that actually does lead me into the next thing i was wondering letter kenny doesn't connect with everybody and clearly it did with us so i thought we could go around the zoom and, and talk about how this irreverent series connected with us and and why it resonated and we talked about it a little bit in the pregame but for me i live in wisconsin letter kenny um that opening there are five thousand people in letter i got four thousand here so the big difference is instead of hockey guys it's football guys uh, skids have a slightly different name, um, plenty of rednecks. So yeah, very familiar. I, the, these characters, it's like, ah, I fucking know that guy. So it, it, it really hit home for me and it sounded like for you guys, that was some of the same. Yeah. That's a smaller version of the town I grew up in. I grew up in McHenry, Illinois, and it's, it got very, very big, you know, 20 years ago. But when I, when we first moved there, when I was in kindergarten, it was very small, very, it was a farm town. And yeah, those are the people I went to high school with. Like the, the skids and the Hicks and the Christians. And I, like, I'm just, I'm getting, thinking about it, getting flashbacks to sitting in, in high school classes or like in high school gym class where all of those people would come together. And that's exactly what it was like. Yeah. And then as you got older, like it stopped being so clicky and everyone was just kind of like melded together the same way it does on the show. And so I don't know if that's why I connected with it. I think it's just also like brilliantly written for what it is. Um, and like everyone on the show is relatively hot and everyone on the show <laughs> is relatively funny and like, Katie McMurray. <laughs> um, which I, we'll, we'll circle back to that when we get to some of the criticisms. But um, I do think 
it's it's really easy to like the characters no one does anything horrible so you don't dislike anybody and you kind of root for them even though they're not really doing anything you <laughs> right. just kind of root for them to just like, keep keeping on man yeah and i i think like they're in like their early 20s maybe at the beginning of the series is kind of what i can grasp they never really say it and yeah that's very much what life is like in a small town especially if like you've gone and come back like i went to school and then came back and lived in that small town again and yeah that's exactly what it's like and i think they actually touch on some of that in the final season too with uh and the yeah we'll come back around to that but uh troy did you I, I'm assuming, again, something similar for you, small town life? Well, you know what? It's kind of different for me because my small town life was so long ago that I was a different person. I left home. I left mm. my small farm town at 18 and never went back. I went to a different sort of the world. And the Midwest in Ohio is nothing like rural Idaho. And and so I don't have any connection, right? I wouldn't, didn't have friends who had farms or whatever else. But I know a ton of people that... Uh, work farms and all the farmers are uber rich and uber um, concerned about their stuff. So I would say that I enjoyed the concept of Letterkenny because of the nostalgia that I could have had, had I been born different time or been in Idaho at a different phase of my life, because that ain't happening out here. It's all about Uber farms and gigantic things and hourly labor. There ain't no picking stones on Sunday with your friends. So nostalgia pit for me. Yeah. Yeah. I said that I know these people. I, and like Patty pointed out how they, you know, there's these groups and they don't like each other, but as time goes on, things happen and you're like, well, now I kind of tolerate them. Well, now we're kind of friends. And if you were to jump a couple of seasons, you'd be like, Whoa, why are these people friends? Like, no, that's how it works around here, man. You know, two guys in high school fucking hate each other. You come back five years later, they're best fucking friends. They got a car dealership together. Chucking beers out the truck window. Yeah. I mean, Shooting mailbox. Is that how Riley and Jonesy keep getting new Jeeps? Because I can't afford how they're paying for new Jeeps. I can't think. Moms and dads owns owns the farms that they live at. That's why fucking thing looks brand new every time. That big one. It is. It's every season. It's a different Jeep. Mm. Drives me crazy. You know, Ronaldo. I'd like to do a small shout out if I could. Oh, for a now defunct podcast that uh, was my podcasting debut, little thing out of Wisconsin called Semi Sport, where we had oh. our top five Letterkenny episodes. Uh, it was only through season six at the time. However, shout out to Debro and her fourteen kids. Um, they do a good job there on the podcasting network. And I do definitely recommend going back and checking that one out, especially if you're a Lebitard show fan, because you guys did this great bit of which characters on the Levitard show would match up with whom in Letterkenny. And it was hysterical. I'm uh, if Lever I'm if Levitard show showed up at the Letterkenny airport, who would take each person on a tour of the town? I think was yeah. our, our scam. Yeah. Yeah. I, you nailed it, it with fucking Wayne and Roy. I just seem they're saying about four words between them. Uh, yeah. yeah. A, lot, a lot of head nods. Yeah. So shout out to that. But I would also like to say that um, the thing that I, I feel I feel guilty about Letterkenny, and maybe this is a, a, a topic for later. I'm not sure what the agenda looks like, but 
like when I find myself laughing at some of this funny, funny stuff of, of the human condition, I find myself grimacing at like, oh my God, that's so, those, those guys sound so terrible. Those women sound so mean. But I think that they've they've they made multi-dimensional characters in a way that they can all be sympathetic and and likable because they're all relatable because no one's no one's perfect in any way shape or form about their perspectives on the world, right. and to watch these kids form up a little bit is kind of cool. And I think that in real life, like amongst your friends and family, you talk to them that way anyway. Oh, like so we all want to think that yeah. we're above it, but we're not. I'm just as mean to some of my friends as as people are on that show and they're just as mean to me. Like that's, that's how we show love for each other. That's um, some people are, you know, good kind people and some people are assholes and sometimes you fall in the middle and you just kind of play both sides of it. And I think that's what makes it relatable is it's not the life that people see looking like looking in that's it, it breaks down that facade and it's like, Oh no, this is how people actually talk to each other. If you're sitting on the front porch getting drunk for eight hours on a Sunday, this yeah. is how you talk to each other. Yeah, fuck you, dude. That's stupid. Yeah. No, around here back in the day, the more brutal and ruthless the shit talk was between two people, uh, just told you that how that they were better friends, essentially. Like exactly. If, if, if you knew you could say that shit to somebody that is like, oh, that's because we're tight, you know? I wouldn't just say that to some guy that walked in. That'd, that'd start some fucking incident, but Oh, this dick? Yeah, fuck him. He's a peckerhead. Hey, another beer, peckerhead. It resonates with me. You're trying to go to the store, peckerhead. Yeah. 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 <laughs> hey, beer, beer me, dick. Uh, this fucking guy. Yeah. So I mean, it feels, it feels that way. But uh, we have, we have hit the final season, and I, I'll say I, I felt a little weird about it because, as I, I know Troy knows, I thought Letter Kenny was losing its fastball about a year or two ago. And uh, it made me sad because I enjoyed the show, but it seemed like some of the writing wasn't up to snuff. Some of the the ideas just weren't, uh, they didn't feel like they were completely thought out. And when they did that chip episode, I believe it was last season, that's when I said, this this thing's jumped the shark. We don't need 15 people. You talking about all dressed chips, it's like, I get the bit. It's just not funny. It feels mailed in. So then when they were finally done, I was like, oh, well, shit. I mean... (laughs) I kept saying they should stop and then they did. Now I, I don't want them to stop, but I don't know. For me, this season felt like justification for that. I don't know if you guys had general thoughts on the way the whole season was. Patty pointed out how short it was. It just didn't feel like there was a lot to it. It felt like tying up loose ends and being done. You guys thoughts. I would agree with that. I do think that some of the writing that, because I agree. I mean, I would say the last three seasons prior to this one were fine. Um, and, but some of the writing felt very much like it did in the beginning. Um, I am obsessed with the Sundart song and music video. I'm obsessed (laughs) with it. I've listened to it like 400 times. I love it so much. So good. I can't wait till I can talk about how much of a mockery of country music it is. Like it Mm. makes me, it thrills me. And that's something that I haven't gotten from that show in a really long time where it actually felt almost like commentary. Yeah. Um, because I think they were just kind of sailing along for a while because it was funny. And as long as you had the banter back and forth, you didn't have to. Yes. It didn't have to have the power behind it. And um, I have a lot of thoughts about how it ended. Uh, but I also think there were some really good 
like it did uh, tie up loose ends. That's definitely something that it did. But, you know, you have the whole, I don't know how into it you want me to get right now. Oh, yeah, go for it. The floor is yours. Thank you. And the Um, ceiling and the walls and the hay bales and the whatever. I could use a barn. Um, So, like, this whole storyline of Derry going, you know, kind of, like, leaving the little friend group and going and exploring this other part of him where he feels, like, more... (laughs) More respected and safe and, like... I think that's something that you go through. It's like you have your friend group and then maybe suddenly you feel like you're being disrespected by them. People that you love that are your family for all intents and purposes. And you kind of go somewhere else. And I love this little thing of he gets to explore that. And this gorgeous woman is like fawning all over him. And, and then he comes back because the thing about all small towns is at some point they will suck you back in whether it's the people there, whether it's, I cannot tell you and knock on wood, I don't plan on going back anytime soon. Um, (laughs) But how many times I left and came back because the thing about a small town is it becomes part of you and who you are and how you live your life. And I love that perspective because that's so different than the one that I did with that life. Cause I, I was, I, I burned the bridge and the bridge never got rebuilt and no one offered to rebuild it for me. And, and now I see them yelling at me on Facebook for not coming back for high school reunions. <laughs> I'm like, fuck the fuck off. All right. I don't want any part of that. And don't get me wrong. I don't associate with anyone I went to high school with yeah. save one or two people. And, um, but it's something about the way a small town teaches you to be. Try that in a small town. <laughs> hey, now. Um, uh, I'm going to do drugs think, about that. Like this is the first time in my life I've ever lived in a city. And there is something very different about living in a city versus living in a small town. And I think that's something Letterkenny encompasses very well. Yeah. Is what it's really like to live in a small town where there's nothing to do. Um, where there's, you know, you have the job that you do and then you party. And you, don't, you don't break up. You lose your place in line. Is is a li- is is a life of style, not just a joke about small towns. Yep. Well, and maybe that's where I have a maybe slightly different perspective than you guys on this, as I uh, did move out of my shitty small town, and then I don't know how many years later wound up moving back. Every shitty small town. No, I'm back in my original hometown, the four thousand people where I started. I- Spoiler alert. Yeah. So it does, you kind of feel that difference. And, and like Patty was talking about the different groups and how Daryl kind of moved around. That's so small town because these are your groups. I wasn't a redneck. I wasn't a sports guy. I wasn't, you know, so essentially my best fit (laughs) was going to be like the skids who I also wasn't one of. So it was just like, finding this weird spot where like all right well hang out with the skids because we'll you know we'll get baked a little bit but his horn we've lost patty already Uh, i think i think ron missed it i did (laughs) i buried it (laughs) stirt stirrat stirrat can i just say that um for me 
I cruise through seasons five through 12, <laughs> waiting to get back to the season one cold open pilot. Mm. That was what I, that's what drew me in to the, the whole show was the witticisms that were there um, and the self-depreciation <clears throat> that was had um, when Riley and Jonesy drop off Katie the very first time, she hops out of the Jeep and they want to fight with, with Derry and Wayne. And Riley and Jonesy, totally self-aware, go, fourth liners for life, bro. And if you're a hockey fan, <laughs> you know you know what that, that's all about, right? Yeah. And then, of course, you know, that nice onesie, buddy. Yeah. It's like coming come in ends. You come in men all the time enough for both of us. And, and it, it took off from there, right? So that that was a thing for me that was like, um, funny because it was it was it was insulting it was it was busting balls and it was self depreciating all collectively in the first five minutes of the episode. Yeah, I mean, and that, so and that's total small town right there. Yeah. And so we went from that to this this group, and then the abject loyalty of things. Like we'll we'll can talk about that another time too. But I will I will cut to the cut the chase and spoiler alert. Day Beer's Day is the single greatest episode of Letterkenny everywhere. Anytime, because 100%. if I can go kick somebody's ass because he he hurt my sister, if I had a sister, I would be right there. You know, I'd be I'd be I'd be Doofy, Goofy Dan or Derry or Wayne or whoever else coming in and taking that dude out. And I love the fact that it happened to be around a small, uh, a goofy American guy who cheats from Detroit, which is also funny. Should have been from Fond du Lac, as far as I can tell. <laughs> but it was a it was the greatest single episode of all time with Letterkenny. And I will stand for no Letterkenny slander. If you slander that episode, I rest my case. <laughs> well done. We kind of, uh, briefly talked about the misogyny of, of Letterkenny and like the fact that women aren't allowed to wear clothes, like full clothes. They, they always have on crop tops and very short shorts. Um, and, and they're all gorgeous. It's, it's, but, like, part of me wants to believe there's some kind of commentary there. And then yeah. there's this other part of me that goes, no, there's no, the not. writers just think they're that's that they're hot. We better just yeah. hot and puts them on television. Um, but like, uh, I don't know if you've watched Reservation Dogs, but I, I caught Tannis in an episode of that. Oh, um, just in, in this amazing little tiny bit part. It was so good in the first season. But like, yeah, I mean, women are treated, they're treated well. That's the thing. It, it's this weird dichotomy on that show. Yeah. Like you want to call it misogynistic. But, but there's but also the chivalry <laughs> end of it too, where it's like they try to balance. Yeah. They're, and like in the Day Bears episode, they are just undyingly loyal to the women in their lives. And um, which spoiler alert makes me not understand why they had to end the series with Rosie and Wayne breaking up. Yeah. That's oh, really, that's why that seems like a good uh, entry point to the season right there. So let's, uh, let's, let's get into it. Final season starts with live at Modine's. So that is uh, after Katie goes too far while roasting Daryl during a stand-up comedy no, no, night no, no, at no, Modine's. Daryl finds himself being courted by the D-Gens. 
So that kind of sets us up, starts Daryl's whole arc for the season. Um, yeah, I just loved, you could tell when Daryl's at the bar and the dude behind him in the <laughs> other like jumpsuit is all fuzz. Like, that's a major player. Like, I was just waiting. When are they bringing him in? Like, Nick Gibraltar. Little... <laughs> yeah, that was, was a pretty solid episode. Uh, opinions, uh, takes? I really love stand-up, like, as a just a, a genre of media. And I thought it was so fun. Um, the the two women, first of all, I had to Google what a billet brother or sister was because I've never heard They're that called term. host yeah. families for every other sport, but yeah. not for I got hockey. It, I got I, it for yeah. context, yeah, but I didn't know either. Ooh, um, ooh, ooh. I have guys in my basement still trapped to this day, thanks to Amin <laughs> Al-Hassan. And <laughs> someday they'll get out. Yes. Thank you. Stealing Amin's jokes. Um, but like, it was just this it was the same thing way back when with the talent show episode when you just got to see everyone being a little bit silly and I loved it. I mean, it was legitimately funny. The two women that played. Ron. Uh, what? what oh. You've been muted. <laughs> I was going to make a misogyny joke, but you blew the whole thing. I just smoked a joint. I'm a little slow. On the yeah, back to you, Patty. Unmute yourself because I can't do it for you. <laughs> oh, Patty's first muting. This is it's always a fun. Uh, what I what did I do? Uh, Nothing. I just you, felt it was time for a mute. We oh. uh, welcome to the club. You are now official. Once you get the mute, that's uh, thanks. Yeah. Can't believe it's welcome here. aboard. They do that uh, shit on Jort Center, do they? No, they don't. That's right. They don't <laughs> do that shit on Jort Center ever. You know, probably she's still should. Good. You know, we might have to bring her back at some point, Troy. Maybe, uh, what do you think, like a music episode uh, later <gasps> later in January? Maybe. Yeah. I think that's a good idea. Uh, that was fantastic. That. Yeah. But I digress. Uh, yeah, the Letterkenny uh, first episode. Um, I was with you with the whole stand-up thing. I love that because uh, Squirrely Dan is actually a stand-up. So the fact that they have him doing this chintzy bit over and over and making it look like comedy so easy oh, i don't know what you guys are talking about comedy is this it's just it's funny that it's him mocking people making comedy sound easy i just anything squirrely dan does i'm here for yeah trevor k wilson is is a pretty funny comic um i've seen some of his stuff on youtube i have yet to see him live but uh it's interesting Sure. I think that's where all the sugar cereal stuff comes from because he's got some bits about there being, you know, America's got like six kinds of Captain Crunch and is, yeah, apparently he's a big cereal bit. So I don't know if that, that's a call. I have a peeve about the final season. They oh. brought back the, the Squirrely Dan's pluraling everything too far. Yeah. They're, they're like, I love the Mennonite bit, but he brought back the plurals too much. Yeah, there is a such thing as overdoing that fucking bit for sure. But as you were, Patty, continue, please. Well, now I don't remember what I was saying. <laughs> Grab a fresh bottle <clears throat> of wine and get back to us. We have to work in the morning. Um, so do we. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, and I like that they actually gave Daryl a little bit of shine there. Like he had a couple of shots and then actually did a pretty good job. So it was like, oh, wasn't expecting that. I had no problem. Do you think... I can't think of another like multi-episode arc that's happened on that show either. Usually everything is very episodic. Like it, a, something happens and wraps up in a season and occasionally like there'll be a callback 
from episode to episode, but this is the first right. time I feel like you've seen a whole story, the whole dairy story transpire over the course of four episodes. Yeah. Yeah, because even in the very first one, they start with Wayne not fighting anymore. And by the end, you know, you're thinking maybe you're getting a two, three, four episode arc. Nope. Wayne's fucking pummeling dudes <laughs> before the credits hit. In which I got to say, the all the fight scenes in this show and the way they do the music, it's, I don't know if that's Canadian. Yeah. I don't know if that's specific to them, but the way they execute the music and the fight scenes. I'm up the laneway, stuff to drive. So good. The soundtrack on this show has always been great. Oh, like yes. Whoever, yeah. Fuck up my nose. I never heard that song before that oh next to last episode. Love that was a that. great Any song on that series ever. I feel bad for McMurray on the last season because our man, while he's still a fit fella, he ain't the McMurray from season two. So he had to wear the long sleeve shirt over his pecs the whole time. And that I'm was bad. I felt bad for him on. there. Yeah. yeah. It's like, well, if you're going to be the muscular, super fit dude, you can't grow your mullet longer and put on a shirt because that just turns you into me at some point. And that ain't right. Because I ain't on TV. Yeah. <laughs> and no Mrs. McMurray. Big McMurray fan. So I was I love right their me. stupid shit. And when, that one time we're down there, we were we were down there in Cabo and we did this thing and oh, oh, oh. it was so oh, I, gross and so stupid that I thought I can't it was hear super cute. Somebody mention a gin and tonic without thinking cocksuck and G and T. It's there. It's like she's nailed it. Yeah, and Mrs. McMurray did not show up on the last season at all, other than a dance scene. That was disappointing. Yeah, it was. Anyway, plenty of Bonnie McMurray though, so that was. Well, they they were, they turned her into a real character, and yeah, can we talk about Gail for a minute? Because Gail's my favorite <laughs> female character on that show because she was really one a business owner, two super empowered, three unabashed, and four always in the mix. Like I love Gail, even though she was not my kind of person, but I loved what she represented. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to have somebody be that super greasy, why not have it be uh, the female bartender? Like, uh, don't, you know, like McMurray gets a little borderline greasy himself, but she's just fucking right at it. And like, all right, I like it. I appreciate that. That's what I appreciate about her. And they brought, he brought Frank Franklin back. <laughs> that was, that was cute. I thought that was cute. Yeah. When that, that Gail and Franklin got together. That's true. I did enjoy that. I uh, didn't see it coming because he kind of annoys me, but uh, I, he won me over. Are you talking about Alexander? Alexander, not Franklin. That's yeah. It. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I was like, wait, I missed Sorry, something. my bad. Because the first episode, Alexander pulls his pants down and pees in the urinal. Right? Yeah. That's the first time he shows up on the show. Yep. Yes. And then Wayne beats up the guy that cheated on with him. Angie. Yeah. yeah. So can we do something misogynistic and, and, and uh, decide... Uh, Marie, Fred, or Rosie? Because I think Rosie wins. Rosie. Rosie, hands down. Yeah. Although I'm not a dog fan, so I, I got to, you know. How can you not be a dog fan? What kind of person are you? Have right. you not ever heard this podcast before? No, I'm not. <laughs> no Apparently kids, not. No pets, no plants. And, and it's not that I don't love them. I just don't have them in my life. Fair enough. Much like affection and kind people. <laughs> I think that about puts a bow on episode one. I'm sure there's a lot of stuff I'm not remembering, but I just basically got the synopsis. So moving on to episode two, I'm a D-Gen. That was, that was definitely not episode two of that season. No, oh, episode no, you're right. two is Sundarts. Sundarts. I skipped one. Yep. Okay. We'll How dare back. Yep, right? Sundarts. Skipping Sundarts. my skivvies, boating on my boat, girls <laughs> in the girlies, doing my stuff. Oh, so yeah. I loved this so much. And this has so much to do with how I feel about 
like I was raised on country music and how disappointed I am constantly by what's considered like modern popular country oh, music. God, hot fucking and garbage. The fact that you have like this random bunch of like Canadian hicks and skids mm-hmm. get together and with AI make a song that sounds exactly like something you would hear on the yeah. local country music station now. It it was such like a scathing indictment of and I don't know if they were trying to do that other than be funny. Yeah. But for me, <laughs> I think they were trying. It's it's because that formula, that's where they nail it. It's like Yeah, they do. He has this whiteboard and it's like fear, it. horses, trust, shit. mommy and daddy. And it's it's so it's true. perfect. Sons, butts. Yeah, I mean, they just missed fucking red, red dirt and uh, sundress, and uh, there's a couple other ones they left out, but uh, but yeah, that's pretty. But then, much like, it. you see the music video, and of course, the music video is all of the women in bikinis <laughs> washing a truck and like, well, truck, yeah, assless chaps. And hey, Riley like, and Jonesy were there too, washing the truck. It's okay. It was equal. Yeah, I guess. Um, so, like, you win some and you lose some, but it <laughs> was still. Some. <laughs> a great 20 something minutes of television i loved it so much yeah that is totally like you said the, the the whole setup of mocking it when they bust out the formula i was saying it before they were i'm like oh yeah you got to add the it, it's so spot on uh and then the skids being the ones that actually have a connection to technology and things yeah. that are like they're the only ones that that progress like <laughs> Over time, everybody else is just kind of stuck in this letter. All Jim Dickskin. Let's raise a glass of Jim Dickskin. Dickens. I I will continue to say that the last season was not good, but it was very closure related. They tried to get everybody in there. It was effective. You had had Tannis. You had, you had, uh, didn't have Marie Fred. Didn't have any, 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 very many uh, Americaners, but, or French I don't think that was necessary. No. But, um, Annette was, was there, though. Yeah, there in the last episode. And uh, I think it was just fun to fun to watch them try and close things together because it really felt like as the the cold open for the first for the first episode really kind of set the tone. They went back through the alphabet again, like A through Z. Yes, the same thing they did, you know, in the first episode, and they kind of said, "Hey, we're 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 bowing out. We're out of stuff, and also yep. we're going to be okay." Um, thanks for being our fans, and here's. Here's some shit we did, and it was it was it was self self depreciating just a little bit, and also confident in their success. And uh, never see Letterkenny live because it's not any good at all. Good because I almost did and I didn't and I was sad about it, so I'm glad I did. I bought I bought tickets. I got I got um, the special setting, you know the pre the pregame the postgame. Nah. They're 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 actors except for except for Dan. And he's he's a comedian. The other ones are like, we don't know what to do. We're not kind of walking around doing our right. script. We don't have a script to telling them what uh, pithy yeah. thing to say so, next. So, so see Dan and see Dan and it is stand up anytime. That'll be worth your money. Otherwise, okay. don't. Got it. Free advice from Idaho. Yeah. I really I like that point though, with the whole the way they set up the cold open. Like you said, put, it put a bow on everything. It, everything felt final right there. They're basically just the way they said it is like, we're done. Uh, it shows some awareness because, like I said, it's I've, I've been feeling like they lost their fastball for a while. So uh, good on them to, to punch it out right there. And one of the other things that I thought they did perfectly 
they mixed in a few flashbacks here and there callbacks to earlier stuff they didn't like do a whole episode and get super heavy-handed with it but they did just enough to remind mm-hmm. you of some things i kind of wanted them to do a little more to tell like you katie truth. pumping gas on day beer's day was was like it it brought a little tear to my cold black heart <laughs> right like oh she's getting a text from that guy and he's wailing somebody else and well i remember now she's this. sending her friends and oh i feel bad for and the whole town bad coming. for I feel bad for all those people who have been treated poorly by people they trusted. Like, cause I, I'm always dumb, jumping into that. Like I'm jumping past the first level of respect your war, woman or sister to, Oh, people are assholes. And I want to beat them up too. If I could, well, and like, I, you know, who doesn't <laughs> want this entire group of people to like rally around and get revenge right. for, believe me, I've been in situations where it's like, God, it would have been so nice if there were, you know, a dozen people that would have gone and kicked his ass for me. And that sounds like a good uh, place as any to uh, move on to episode three, which I tried to do a little earlier. I'm a D-Gen, so we cover that. Daryl uh, moves deeper into D-Gen culture, finds out their Saturday night ritual, which is one of the dumbest things in the season, to tell you the truth. What the and, fuck are you uh, shooting at people for? Jesus, well, that was dumb. Well, yeah. I mean, that's a dumb bit. You draw the straw, so you got to run. But they're also, they don't hit them. Like you're 10 feet away with a rifle. Like, how are you missing? Like, this is not, it's just not, it's not it murder capital of the world. It's scare cap of the world. Yeah. It, like DJ. it wasn't believable. Like if you're telling me they're all going to huck, you know, big clods of dirt at them, at them as they run and try to hit them in the head. Okay. Uh, yeah, like, 30 out six over the shoulder is not a way to scare a man. Even a fucking blow dart. I'll take a blow dart. Some hillbilly running through the field of six darts sticking out. Never of heard of that shirt. before. Believable. Uh, but a fucking rifle, like uh, you know, I'm gonna do drugs about it. Super. That seems like the right thing to do. It really does. Well, I, I do want to touch back on three and just basically say that I, I get they're trying to establish degen culture and they're trying to make it edgy. I think they could have done that better without. I like the degen insults. That was that that set the tone from in my mind what a degen was. It didn't have to go to the place over and over and over again. The dude and his sister, like, I'm not about, <laughs> that's not a kink I particularly have. Not that we kink shame on this podcast, but <laughs> right. brother, sister is not my jam. To the internet. Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, yeah, that was, it was a weird dynamic. I, I didn't get it. Um, like, he, he was recruiting dudes for his sister. I don't know. Um I think he Again. just liked Daryl that much. I think they're trying to show that A, he really thinks Daryl's cool, and B, they're super greasy. But And C, um, how amazing is this beer? I mean, goddamn. <laughs> Santa Claus got nothing on me. Um, I do think though that like they did need to they needed to hammer it in that he was not with Wayne and Katie and Dan. Yeah. So like you had to show him in this other place over and over and over again, because we are so used to seeing the four of them together all the time. Right. Or at least the three guys like Katie may be here or there, but. And I say that I was surprised when like um, the DJ girl leans in and is like, we've been together for seven days now. Tonight's your night. I'm like, what? Yeah. That was weird. I assume <laughs> that, like, that was on like our 2.5. Wasn't it? What are you right. people doing just now becoming intimately familiar with each other? Yeah. It was weird. He's getting hammered outside of a, a trailer in the middle of nowhere, sitting in removed seats from a van. How are you, were you not banging before day seven? I'm just, I'm that one. Even DJs have standards, I guess. 
I, I guess. I don't know. If you're trying to paint these people maybe, crazy. Maybe we should learn something from them. I don't know. Right. And doth saith the Lord, refrain from the fornication for at least 3.5 dates prior to degening yourselves. Uh, indeed. Barely, well, barely. Seems, I think well, and I wonder it. if, so yes, there are like really dumb, stupid things the degens do, but there's also like, you go, okay, well, I don't understand why they hate each other so much because they're not actually that yes. bad. Like the brother and sister, I don't know, Mick, and I don't know if you ever actually I learned what his sister's name is. Um, they legitimately like, seemed like fun people i would hang out with them most of the people there seemed like fun people i would hang out with especially so, when she nukes riley and jonesy i'm like oh right? she's it's great so i love good. her and you go oh okay so like maybe this is going to be a, a bring the whole town together and it's not what happened but yeah i don't know it, it was just weird like it made you understand why Derry was like oh i'll just hang out with these people Right. Because my friends are being very mean to me. Right. And these people aren't super fucking judgmental. So maybe, you know, maybe they like to, you know, throw things at raccoons and, and whatever, but and shoot you while you run away. <laughs> right. Like you'd mentioned something earlier about the the tension between different groups of people in the town. And I was going to say that generally any issues that people have is totally personal. So they don't like group X, Y, or Z, but they've actually done something to them where they've got a grudge. This D-Gen thing is just, they hate them. Like, it, well, like I'm assuming that the D-Gens are what they have referred to in the entire rest of the series as the D-Gens from Upcountry. Yes. Okay. So they're the same people. I assume. So, yeah. They're Hicks, they're Hicks from up. They're Hicks from a different County. Oh, okay. So they're not That's all like they are. people yeah. that came in and, and trash the uh, they're still up country, ice yeah. fishing. Yeah, that's why you drive up to see up them. Their, that's why you drive up to fight them. They, they share the lake. Their, their snowmobile okay. shed on the path or whatever they did. Yeah. yeah. Well, they shit behind the shed. Well, of course you do. Why would you pee out there? That's a, that's an episode like episode season five or six. <laughs> that just seemed way too aggressive and over the top. Like a couple of Katie's soliloquies where she's just going on about the degens. Like, what did they do to you? They're they're dirty. They yeah, it's bad. a real Hatfield and McCoy kind of. Yeah, I, I, I don't get it. And then you're like, oh well, you know, maybe it's a Romeo and Juliet. Well, that's my little... new. That's my new tagline. Dgens are upcountry hicks. It was just way too aggressive. Like if at the end they would have revealed that these Dgens did something deeply personal to Katie's dog, like okay, all right, now I get why Lucy? she. Hates it just seemed so uh, disproportionate. Look, can we pull it back to how great the Christmas episodes were early in the seasons? Well, we'll pull For it a recurring back to bit. It. I thought Christmas episodes were amaze balls. Cannot no, literally Christmas episodes in the C series of Letterkenny. Like the best Christmas ever one. Yeah, and the second Christmas best Christmas ever. Yeah. All right, hey Ron, you know what? It's time for a pee because you guys are killing me with this sincerity. Oh well, I don't have I don't have a pee break on the board if you can believe that, but. All right, hang on. We'll we'll get there. And let the decree go forth. It is time to pee. So then my question is, do you watch Shorzy? I did, and I wasn't going to. I thought the Shorzy character was super one-dimensional. 
He was kind of annoying. I didn't really care for him, and I didn't think they'd be able to pull it off spinning it to him. And by God, did they? I I like it better than Letterkenny, and I can't believe people say that. that. Um, But it is like, yes, because yeah, Shorzy was an asshole in the series. One hundred percent dumb. You know, he's just saying dumb shit about your mom over and over. But then they they did a really good job in the series of buying him a lot of fucking pathos because I was yeah. like, fuck this guy. What do I then? Oh, well, he's got this hard exterior because he was adopted and grew up with this mixed group of kids where he was teased. And it's like, God damn it. How did you make this guy likable? And, like, and he's charming. Like they write yeah. him to be this the way he talks to his, her name, Laura. Like, I want a guy to talk to me like that just <laughs> once, just <laughs> once in my life. It's the sweetest thing. And I'm sad that like Jared Kiesa is going to get out of television or something like that. Oh, really? I thought, I don't know. I don't know. But like with, so they just season two just came out like around Thanksgiving of shorts. Oh, okay. I haven't Um, seen it. And I didn't know if, like, I don't know if it's been uh, renewed for a third season. Yeah. I haven't heard that. Uh, but I just, I love it so much. And I've been like, I was not raised in hockey at all. I discovered it in college, but like, I love hockey so much. <laughs> and so to have like, just that little, you know, whale shit hockey team that you kind of fall in love with. It's so yeah. great. The native flu was one of my favorite episodes ever. <laughs> yes. And I don't have that hockey connection either, but that's another thing they did a great job in Shorzy. Because by the end, if you aren't pulling for those guys, you just right? you just don't have a heart. And the and something that Jared Kiso and and whoever writes with him, um, I know the guy who plays. I can't think of his name right now, but the guy who plays the uh, the preacher on Letterkenny, oh, yeah, is his actual writing partner. Right. Like so, they write all of the episodes. And it's he's they're so good at like these are not people that you should find lovable for any reason. Yes, but you love every single one of them, even when you don't. You like you're still rooting for them for no reason. They're mm-hmm. not doing anything in the town of Letterkenny, but like wow, you want them to succeed and be happy. That is funny. I never actually caught that till you said it tonight. But that is. A hundred percent. Daryl's not doing shit, but I just want him to keep showing up to your job and then drink beers with your friends, man. I hope that goes forever for you. This is great. I'm happy. In front of the produce stand where not a single person has ever purchased a piece of produce. (laughs) All the fruit's brand new. The antithesis of a a modern American drama where you have all these evil people who you end up hating and root for to be the most evil, you know, in terms of taking advantage of whoever versus a bunch of really great, normal everyday people who are just living their lives, who have minor victories and, and little failures and sometimes big failures. And you just like, Oh, look at them. I just want to pinch your little cheeks. I want to pinch everybody's cheek on that show. Well, yeah. And then they all support each other and like they all uplift each other. And those are the kind of and when friends ask us for want, help. Yeah. Help, help them out help yeah. them yeah uh, that's the thing they did what a mantra this, like right super sweet thing into everybody in town they're so like morally there's a code and it's 
like, the, like you want that to be real like i want yeah I want, you want you want real. to go hang out with them and drink beers with them on a sunday mm-hmm. and like and, and then go fight the dude that cheated on katie with them like yes you are and so his friends. like that's my favorite part like you want to beat him and his friends because they're all the same guy right dirks yeah dirks 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 <laughs> But uh, no, it's 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 a, been a fun show. I think it's fun. I think maybe I don't think they were that that amazing to create it to think it would have this generate this kind of you know second third yeah. level conversations about it. Agreed. But also, they're smart people who write it, and if they make a like they make some jokes that even get get blocked out of Hulu, right? Yeah. <laughs> last season, and I thought that was amazing because they still use those words. And you know what's going on, especially if you have the closed captioning on or else. But you don't have to throw it out there. And you still don't disrespect them for saying it because you understand the situation. And I think that that's weird. Weird and also uncomfortable and also sometimes okay. Well, And, I think- and you guys, I'm sure, know it started as a YouTube show. Oh, okay. The cartoon, Letterkenny Problems. Letterkenny Problems, yeah. And I went back and watched that too. And... It's, it never stops being that way. Like the reason that it became a TV show, I'm 100% sure is because you feel that way about the characters from the second those characters start existing. Yeah. Well, and I think <clears throat> Troy's pointed out some of the misogyny and some of the other things. And they said they're going for some of these jokes that are out there. I think some of that is to show these characters you know they're they're still hicks after all they're still rednecks and and then i think sometimes they kind of try to show especially maybe daryl like learning from the things as he goes and uh just the whole what was it the uh the was it prostate episode or was that the that was just fantastic Watch all these rednecks. Oh, I'm not kidding. Uh, nobody's putting a finger oh, up. Oh, when they go to the doctor, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then they see the women over there for yeah, the gyno exams. Fucking baby. Oh, someone put their finger in you? Oh, what a oh, shame. Oh, or, oh, I think Tana says that, right? Yeah. You're going you to make it? That's the thing. Like, yes, that show is obviously blatantly misogynistic, but it also never mistreats women. It is the, he, they found the greatest balance of that where like, yeah, it's terrible in that regard, but you never feel that way. Like right. you come back and think about it and go, why can't Katie wear a whole ass shirt? But well, that's what Wayne says. She don't want to. It's her choice. So then it becomes like some clothes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Katie wants to dress like that. So no, um, it's not a problem. Yeah. Well, and that's it. So like yeah, it, it, it well. kind of like just tiptoes around these things without ever being bad. And I think that's a, it's a cool balance. Like it's, it's a cool thing to be able to toe that line and never really cross it. I think one of the best bits they ever executed was the Bonnie McMurray Halloween costume bit. Yes. Where she kept wearing <laughs> offensive. And every time somebody get offended, Wayne, what are you doing, Bonnie? You're dressing as an indigenous person to go down and help them demonstrate to blah, blah, blah. They go, yeah, Wayne, that's right. And then we're going to hand out food to the, like, just so good yeah so self-aware this is amazing speaking of self-aware let's let's move on to episode four snooters um boy (laughs) that's that's great Uh, terrified that they have done every possible thing that there is to do while on cocaine the skids make one last attempt at having fun by opening an after hours club (laughs) i do like to have a skid centric episode they are say what you will they are 
interesting as fuck, those guys. They're better yeah. dancers than they are club runners. I just love that there's always some goofy scheme. It's yeah, it's yeah. delightful. Enrolled. Like, oh my god. I love him so much. <laughs> and the the actor who plays him, who again, again, I don't remember those things, like names. Um, but he's has a TikTok account and he's hmm adorable on it especially when they were filming the last season of this it's very cute if you get a chance to go find it um and but no like my favorite skids storyline is um when they discover the dark web and invite (laughs) and a neo-nazi shows up in letterkenny like and it's i can't think of his name but he's very ben shapiro coded um yep and it's so funny and then everyone just like descends and beats the crap out of them. And you go again, like, oh, because they're good people. Town, that's what I do. Yeah. And they have that code, you know, everything's, I got to do what's right. And I, I love it. Yeah, of course, we'll pummel the Nazis. But that, that rolled character, that's one of the things I, I love how they, right from the beginning, how they handle his sexuality. And Stuart's, well, I support you, rolled. I'm I'm supportive. It's just it's so great. They're right out there. It's uh, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> you don't support me the true. way I want you to support me. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a fucking artist with that Stuart. Yeah, I was just, Stuart. So good. I mean, fucking Vin Diesel with Groot. Get the fuck out of here. He's a Stuart. <laughs> it's a question. It's an answer. It's yeah. an insinuation. It is everything. Well, oh, there's a dog. All right. Dog number one. Let's uh there were two barks, so we're over the over the one and a half. Oh, this is one this is one consistent bark. This only counts. Bullshit. Norm, get in here. Uh Norm just ran upstairs. There's a third bark. We're over. This is one. Fifth bark. One one consistent bark. No. Those wiener dogs need to be put in cages and milked. (laughs) Starting to sound like the D gens. I'm gonna have to. I have to make you draw. Let's move on to the next episode or back to this one. <laughs> yeah, oh. because uh, the whole oh, look at the showrunner, look at the showrunner, miserable Ioli, <laughs> now <laughs> tell us how to do this. You know, I agree though, because the whole idea of them with an after hours club was just, it went nowhere. I, I love the attempt. I love the, that the skids had the episode, but it didn't resonate. Moving on to the number five, Stuck. Wayne convinces the other letty, letter Kenny residents to help him save Daryl from the D-Gens, sparking a brawl between the two groups. But thats I don't think that's the really big takeaway from that. It's the fact that it's named Stuck. That's where him and his girlfriend start to uh, ponder if Wayne will ever leave Letterkenny, which kind but of Rosie said we're art. breaking up because the cell phone coverage was bad. So they mm-hmm. left it hanging out there. Like, they're still together. No. Unless Wayne no. bangs nope. Lily. I think if you, if you, like, go back and watch it, once she says we're breaking up we're breaking up cowboy and then you can tell it's hung up she goes something like yeah we are or something like that like she is done yeah we're breaking up cowboy yeah they have that they have that conversation about whether he would even consider it and i i love that i love that whole thing that wayne just says no this is me this is what i love i'm i'm staying in the road don't come up the laneway yeah (laughs) Yeah, but I love the concept of stuck. Like, mm-hmm. at no point in any of our lives have we not felt that way at least yes. once, whether it be in a relationship like Rosie did with Wayne, obviously, or in your hometown 
or in your friend group or in your job or whatever, like feeling stuck is very common. And they, they definitely elaborated that. And we encourage stuck in America. America wants stuckness. Absolutely. And I think what the whole Wayne thing drives home is that you're not stuck if you want to be there. And that's when Wayne decides I want to be here. The grass has never been greener. I love that. That was a great thing. Like the grass is greener over here, Wayne. Look around. What's the grass look like to you? Pretty damn green over here. It's never been greener, Rosie. Mm -hmm. Well, and like Katie wanting to move to Mexico. Yeah. We all we all go on vacation somewhere and then want to move there. And I'm the only idiot that does it. Um, but yeah, for sure. Like, and then Dan was thinking, like, vaguely pondering becoming a Mennonite. And I love how they didn't really say they never, anything. Yeah, they just add just clothing. He just then, loves dick. Yeah. And then they don't address the Mennonite thing until he's done. I need yeah. a sounder for that, Ron. That was a good joke, even if you don't like it. <laughs> too late. Too little too late. <laughs> those jokes, can we talk about those jokes for a little while? They they got pretty crass pretty quick, and I don't think they were as nearly as funny as they were the first time they showed up. Like when the dick yeah. showed up in their in their uh in their uh uh carriage. The buggy, right? yeah. Yeah, first of yeah. the buggy, yes. It's a it's one like, note hey. joke. Yeah, like that was funny, that very first that one and only episode. And after that, they could have just, you know, left off the incest, left off the inbreeding, left off all the things. Yeah. But Dan, Dan being half Mennonite by the end of the season, season 12 was funny as hell. It was pretty great. Oh, and he puts that hat. hat. Yeah. I ain't never get, what do you say? I never get, I ain't never get no girls dressed like a dick. <laughs> Is that what he said? Yeah, the, the dick. Something like that, right? I, frankly, the funniest bit they had to me was when he kept throwing once at the end of everything because it was yes. just so subtle and it wasn't funny until it became hilarious once. And I, by the end, I was like cracking up every fucking time he did it and love that actor, by the way, don't know his name, but ever Tre- K Trevor Noah. No, that's not it. And then the woman is um, Lori from the walking dead, who is by far one of the most extremely hated TV characters of all time. Oh. Which cracks me up. Oh, you're talking on, about the dicks. Uh, Sorry. My bad. Yeah, he was, Anita Dick. Havana <laughs> Dick. What, what the name the names are goofy too, right? Yeah. It's Anita. I love a, I love a dick, Anita. Yeah. And then Charity and Chastity are the kids. And then yeah. Lavina is Dan's love oh, interest. Lavina Dick. Charity, Charity Dick. Last <laughs> And again, that's another like almost series long storyline that they kind of put a bow on because Dan starts going there and then he's like, oh, all right, never mind. I'll never get a girl. Yeah. So it's like you kind of see that. All right. Maybe Dan's done with this. And 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 Rosie keeps bringing up throughout the season. How important is it to you to be the toughest guy in letter Kenny? And it's just like you that, very fucking important. That. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, because for a while I was like, "Oh shit, he's might be over this." And by the end, he's like, "No, nah, it's it's important." See, I was hoping they were all going to go somewhere else. Like that was my when I'm watching that episode, I'm thinking, "Oh look, they all go to to Victoria, BC, or they all go to they then they go to Mexico, and and somebody becomes a DJ, and and Dan goes gets his PhD in in women's <laughs> studies. I mean, it's so cool. I thought one of them would do something drastic, but it was like in the yeah. end, it was like nobody did anything. Hey, they weren't stuck, man. 
That's fine. No, and I agree. Maybe that's the whole point is that they all discover that they just love this little town. There's a difference between feeling stuck and being stuck. Yeah. Yeah. Which brings us to episode six, Over and Out. Very fitting name. Uh, Daryl settles back into his role with the Hicks. The skids go back to their roots and arrange a rave for the whole town at the Agricultural Hall, which previously had only been for agricultural musics. But uh, (laughs) they struggle to decide on which genre will bring people in. Um, nice callback to their previous, and then they did a little few flashbacks with Stuart's failed rave. Stuart, that was a pretty good way to tie everything up. Yeah, I, I didn't think- hate it. I love the whole idea. They come out That's again. It. They're all excited. Didn't hate it's it. Dead. And then you hear like you hear. Yeah, the knocking on the door. The door's locked, bud. <laughs> Unlock it. Let us in. Well, and it like also. You know, no one went to the rave with the skids in the was that the first season or the second season because no one liked them. Right. And now after all of this time, like you have all of these people that come hang out together and they have this giant party and it's like, yes, it was lovely. And that's where you see Bonnie McMurray again. Yep. The one time. Um and like it feels the way it's su- supposed to end. Like there were things I didn't like. I didn't like that Rosie and Wayne broke up. I don't like this other woman that like popped up at the last second. They just should not have introduced another woman into it. Um, but her tan. But like, no, but what I liked is that they didn't approach it as they were trying to end everything and tie it all up. The fact that they brought this new woman in is like they opened the storyline it feels like if they were continuing with the next season. Oh, what happens with these two? Where does it go? Everything's up. So I, I like that they didn't just make everything final. It still felt a little bit realistic with that. And I have a, 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 a bit of a side that. moment about that. A little, little aside, but really, yeah. I read something um, about a year and a half ago, and I've been living it a lot. Um, sometimes friendships and relationships, you know, just just work their course. And they end and we're conditioned to think we're all forever friends always. Yes. And we're not. And I'm living that in my own life with, with some people I've known for 20 plus years. You know, it's not philosophical. It's not political. It's just, it's just enough. Right. And it's, it's happening. And so I can totally see the Rosie Wayne thing going its way. I agree that having another girl come in because they imply that it was like, kind of her fault but it wasn't really her fault and i think that that's that's kind of the thing that i was i would i would like to have sent a a clean break you know she heard he heard her say we're broken up cowboy not just into the dead phone yeah and then yeah and then he's like oh i'm still alive i'm still i'm still me i'm still a dude who likes who likes people you know that would have been a better ending for me because it felt a little little un unfulfilling for uh the rosy character to like just Just break up on the phone. One of the other things I wanted to mention with the rave is the symbolic angle. Like Patty pointed out, nobody comes the first one because they hate them. So that's part of it is they've kind of bridged it. But it's also from the other end with the skids. They make a concerted effort to say what would get everyone here. They literally choose genres trying to get the whole town to come. And it's just like. It's weird because it doesn't track. I don't think the skids would ever do that. We all but need I loved sundarts. it. I loved it. <laughs> Girls it's... in shorts and boys in white t-shirts. 
these characters are not characters you expect development from. Like the show, yes. you never expect that this show is going to feel sentimental or emotional because it's just a, a it's it's a quippy comedy. It's not a different world. No, it, I disagree. It's and and that's where the ending got me when they closed it down and they took all the shots of all the places backing the camera out and I just kept thinking man this place now doesn't exist like I had this warm feeling that letter Kenny still happened so you know but now it's like man that town's gone there's well and it's like you got to see people that you didn't expect any growth from grow like the skids mm-hmm. or like Wayne or who like doesn't need a woman, I guess to like when you meet Wayne the first time he's devastated by Angie cheating on him. And I'm like, but Derry had to go leave and find himself a little bit and then come back. And I kind of wish that was something that could have been explored longer. Cause I think it would have been more interesting, but again, I, I feel like I'm taking like this dramatic kind of standard and applying it to the show that, is yeah. not meant to have the standard applied to it, but, but it made just, it always was. That's that was the goal. Wow. If you're sitting in a room with your five friends trying to write a show, hey, we've got a sitcom we want to do for X episodes. Man, imagine if we had these doofus dudes and these pretty girls and they did their thing and also they had some operational importance. How does that work? <laughs> Well, get us some subwriters on that. Get some people, younger folks or older folks in in this and let's mash this together and see what we can do. Like it, it could have been a great experiment. I mean, I'd love to give them all credit for being that wise and that creative. I assume they're all in it for the paycheck, right? Because who doesn't want a billion dollars for doing TV shows? But um, I'd like to give them some some idea of, of credit for having some thoughtful nature of how we can make this fun, funny, and somewhat allegorical and never feel cringy like before we got on we were talking about schitt's creek which is another canadian sitcom that hit very hard in the u.s um right as it was ending which sucked but i i love that show it's certainly not the same it is very kind of lovey-dovey cringy yes there's character growth yes there's jokes that shows ridiculously funny in a completely different way it's not usually crass um so you just don't expect that from Letterkenny. You don't expect that you're going to like follow these yeah. characters and see Warn them dick jokes <laughs> and see them become like better people. You don't expect character growth because they're never really characters that are expected to grow. And you get that. And I think for a show that was based off of a YouTube skit show, like it's, it's a pretty big accomplishment. They've certainly milked milked it and then some because the the live tour is still going through Canada and major cities in the US. So they're making their coin, right? They're getting their they're getting their dues for sure. Um Yeah, absolutely. And and they should. I mean, they made a good product. People want to buy it. Cool. Yeah, I mean I'm sitting here spending time with two strangers who I've only only one or two ever met talking about a show that was on for 5 years during COVID and and uh also, you know, not bad. But when I saw when I saw it live, a couple things struck me. It was um, sad. One was Katie, and the second one were were Riley and Jonesy. Oh, 
Yeah, like the ones I the, the kind of characters who are the most most pithy on the on the show were the least elastic in person. Um, of course, Dan and, Dan and Wayne were great. Yeah, Coach was of, amazing. Of the characters that you see, like grow or have these like dynamic changes happen to them, it's not Katie and it's not Riley and Jones. Right, they are playing the same characters they did. Shut the and fuck up, Sanguinette. <laughs> you gotta squeeze her to lake, bud. It's okay. Well, and the funny thing is just the fact that, like Troy said, three of us getting together to talk about this tells you how much they make you connect to the characters. And a large part of that was a surprise to me because like with some of the other ones, I instantly did not like the bulk of those people. They felt familiar to me, small town people. I'm like, I know that fucking guy. I don't like that fucking guy. Well, they made me like these people and, and be invested in them. And that's, that's amazing. As I said, a lot you of them were real likable. Like, you want good things to happen for them. And you, yeah. and, and you go, why? Why? These are not people like in my everyday life now that I would choose to surround myself with necessarily. Yeah. I wouldn't be hanging out with Daryl. I wouldn't. Yeah. But. I want good things for him. And like, I wanted, I wanted Wayne and Rosie to work because I wanted them to be happy. And maybe again, that's just because I love TV and media and stories. Um, But like you become really invested in this group of people that you shouldn't really care about. You know, (laughs) one group of people we didn't get a chance to get invested with Hmm. were the, were the Christians from season one. Because this this harkens back to my my upbringing, and Patty, Patty and I have had this conversation offline about some other things. But man, I remember being a seventh grade dude, little boy, and in youth group, those high school seniors, those was a thing, man. That was like you go to youth group not to learn about the Lord, but to learn about what anybody else might talk to you about, and it wasn't even creepy or 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 sex or anything else. It's like man, they're so adult and I'm just a, I'm just in AP English or, or whatever else. And that's a part I wish I would have explored a long way in a, in a non, in a non judgy way was just how, even if you're in the environment of a church of any sort, how you still learn to be men, women, boys, girls, whatever, through the shared experiences of exposure. Like, I would have loved that to go for a while. I used to be a volunteer pastor at uh, a very large church in Northern Illinois. And one of the girl that, like, Derry is seeing in the very first episode or second episode, whichever it is, looked exactly dead ringer like one of the other volunteer pastors. And it ruined us. Like, we all watched (laughs) this show and then went back and went, oh my God, because it's, I mean, it's so raunchy in the show in the most subtle way. And it was so funny. And like, that was, that's what got all of us hooked on that show was going, oh my God, that looks just like so-and-so. And I was like, yeah. oh my God, that is kind of so-and-so. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, these Even people- religion or religion, you know, pro or anti, whatever else. If you grow up in that environment and your your formative your puberty years are in that world, you, oh, it yeah. sticks with you for a long time. And yep. to this day, 
I, I don't, I, I remember the two, two gals I used to try and hang out with all the time who both have great families and, you know, have had amazing lives and whatever else. I'm like, well, 14 year old me would be, man, if I knew now <laughs> what I could do then, <laughs> I don't think this would turn out the same way. And so it, it's fun that it's fun to think about how the world turns and you can have experiences that don't have to be negative, just experiences. And that's what Letterkenny did for me. I think it struck a lot of nerves of stuff that I could relate to, or I was angry about, or I wanted to be connected to, or I was jealous of, frankly. And there were all those things were in every single episode, or at least every single season. And to watch it come and go was fun. And as an old person doing a thing in a small town now who keeps baseball players trapped in his basement, who flood regularly, and they may or may not get out, I can say that, yeah, it's not a bad life here, but it's a different life from when you're when you're a youngster. Well, it looks like we're about 20 minutes past, so um, I think that's a good spot to uh, wrap her up. Yeah, any any final thoughts? I know for me, I said the camera pulling out on these locations and seeing them and thinking, oh man, once they stop filming there, that's not a place anymore and, and Letterkenny doesn't exist. And that kind of made me sad, but uh, well, I'm going to just go back and watch them. So Letterkenny still exists as long as they're on Hulu. So that's my takeaway. So I've been thinking of some of my favorite bits from the uh, from the whole series today. And I think my favorite is the what could be so urgent uh, bit about the guy who has iPad out at the urinal. And at the end of this, they've like Wayne and uh, Marie Fred have, have just established that he must have been like some national security guy and had the <laughs> nuclear codes. And I, just now, like it's still I want to overwhelmingly laugh about it. It is one of my favorite bits in television ever. Um, that and the, uh, how, how did, is it like how to jerk off 24 times in a day? <laughs> like when they do that, you do it one day and then twice on the second day, three on the third day, like the, the mixing a batch advent calendar or whatever. <laughs> and that again, like I'm just sitting here going, that is permanently emblazoned in my brain, how you time that out. And, and that's what I love about it. Like it's dumb, stupid things that will never leave me. And one day I will have a conversation with somebody and it'll pop into my head and then I'll go, Oh no, I'm going to say this out loud. <laughs> and then I'll be done. Like, I hope they know this reference. <laughs> this is going to, going to land poorly. Hey, Ron. Put Norm in a cage. That's, that's soundproof. Ted. That's Ted. That's Jansen. not Ted. That's that, Ted Jansen. Is, is, you sure? I'm positive. Well, I mean, I know your dogs too. Are you sure it's Ted? Oh, that's Ted. Well, yeah. Ted needs to go outside and get kicked in the ass. You're so mean. See, no, no kids, no pets, no plants. Yeah, it's starting to sound like. One I didn't even use the word shovel. It's okay. <laughs> uh, but uh, favorite bit, Troy? Do you have one that uh, stands out for you throughout the My, twelve seasons? The favorite bit, I think, was pretty much when when uh, Wayne would get somebody on a rant. You like ask him a question, and they'd go off. He'd go, "Okay," 
Like, <laughs> you, know, you get, hey, Katie, do this. Hey, Dan, do that. Hey, hey, Derry, do this. Hey, Joint Boy, do whatever. Okay. And it's, this kept on going. Like, that was my favorite thing. That feels so much like, how many times you're like, I'm interested, but not. So, okay. <laughs> right. Just letting you know that landed. I heard it. No. But it was it was a fun show. I certainly sort of liked it. It's it's right up there in the top top ten of my favorite shows that I've seen, you know, for my existence and my time. It feels very, very mash-esque in a hmm. way. Okay. Um not in the tragic, mean, you know, spirit of war sort of way, but in the Just relational the series ending, yeah, the way it's in, in the way that everyone comes like we're all this. And then we're all that. And we can, be, we can be both at the same time. And, you know, Frank Burns eats worms and Hot Lips Hulahan and Derry and the Onion Girl and Marie Fred and Lily and Wayne, like they're all in it. And if it came down to individuals or the group, they would all pick the group every time. Yeah. And I feel like that would be the thing that I would take from the show. It's like the group is greater than the whole even at some small sacrifice or, you know, in different situations, major sacrifice. So I, I, I loved it for that camaraderie, esprit de corps. Nope. There's Norm. And Norm right. and Ted Jansen. Yeah, Norm's got a, <laughs> <He's> a... <laughs> well, I will say for me, and I'll bring it back full circle to where I started. My favorite bit in this whole series is them playing catch. I just, the way they execute it, I liked it. Felt good. Like, <laughs> that was the curveball I needed there. Like, Give me the ball. Dead. There's an erogenous zone. A lot of nerve endings. <laughs> One of my favorite the short the short um, uh, vignettes I loved was the first season when uh, Dan's like they're all sitting by the produce stand and he's like, "Your sister's hot, Wayne." <laughs> And he runs there off. Said it. He's like, he's like, there. I said it. Too fat to run. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. You see him out in the field. That that made me laugh a lot, and that's one of one of my favorites that I like keep in my mind because they didn't carry that on. Like, you know, they they they, they knocked all that stuff down with with Derry being disliked and and uh, Dan being creepy on on Katie. They knocked all that down in season in, in season one, but definitely season two, and that was. Way better because it, it just took off that whole weird tension that was the 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 gameplay that was there, focused on the outsiders, not the family, and they became a family in those those little bit of episodes. And I thought that was really cool. Well, then Where you could ready. actually have, hey man, I really like that girl or I really like that guy, but I don't need to worry about you guys not liking or or being with me because we're a family in a different way. And having missed out on that again deep dive having missed out on much of that stuff i'm like oh that sounds kind of cool his heart grew two sizes that day not three because that's the grinch (laughs) i just uh the one thing about losing that whole bit is that it really took away the uh percentage off for squirrely dan oh taking about 20 percent off there squirrely dan they did work it in later uh, throughout the seasons but it just there wasn't as much i could have used never hit yeah I could have used more telling Squirrely Dan to take percent. Like I can't so. drink that much that many beers versus the dog barks. So we're gonna have that's to do that's one bark. Around. That's been established. That's one long seven minute bark. dog bark. There's no way. 
Yeah, yeah Norm <laughs> until and Ted. he stops and puts. Well, I guess okay. Put so his head this in... would technically be another bark session. Can you put his head in a bucket then? No, he don't like that. I've hooked Chief off the back corner of a fender of a 1928 John Deere. <laughs> I've hoovered Schneef off a cow's teat. <laughs> I've hoovered Schneef off a cow's eyeball. You ever hoover boat Schneef? <laughs> I've hoovered boat Schneef off a propeller blade. You ever hoover library Schneef? I've hoovered enough Schneef off books to... <laughs> that, that whole bit, To send Hermione like, through the roof. It really makes me want to go like, where where can I hoover Schneef? Over yes, off the answer is everywhere. Yeah. Like the skids are like, we've done everything we can do on Coke. I don't think you have. That was a good bit, though. I was like, that, that's funny that that's what they panic about. Like, we did everything. I love the world. fact that they're always in Stuart's basement. Is Stuart's mom's basement? His mom's basement. Yes. Because <laughs> they're never, clearly. They have this giant party and the fire marshal shuts them down in the fifth episode or whatever yeah. else is like, you're still in your mom's basement how how tough were you really i also very much want to know like what happened to wayne and katie's family it bothers yeah. me that we no ex like no exposition at all on that like they're obviously living in the house they grew up in mm-hmm. and the farm and i'm assuming they yeah on a farm that i'm assuming they grew up on and i feel like like we get a little bit about dairy when they have the super soft birthday party because his family never threw him or no it's it's them yeah that's what yeah. we get on them is that they never had parties but it's like yeah they don't tell so, you but we don't know why and it bothers me because right. i nosy and want to know have you seen frozen yes they died in a tragic boating accident i think it was i think it was a thresher accident. Off, no, off, off nova scotia is that is that because um all boat owners are dicks there's oh, always a dick did, on a boat. Always a dick on a boat. You're listening to the Outsiders Social Club on the Half Ass Podcast Network.